You're listening to Big Girl Money. On today's study of the sode, we ask, has sexual harassment at work decreased since Me Too? And next, we interview Carl Olson, the former program coordinator for men's programming and violence prevention at Colorado State University. And of course, we end, as always, with a big girl spotlight. Thanks for listening. chat for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I like. I guess so. Okay. Tell me about your boob voyage since oh, I had to miss it. Oh, I so it wasn't the same without you. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. But it was really fun. That's I mean, good. people got really into it. <laughs> I got the best gifts. I mean, just interesting gifts like a everything from practical like fluffy robe to uh, oh. you know, fuck cancer. Um, (laughs) I know I said the F word. (laughs) I'm leaving that in there. To an adult coloring book that was really cool that me and Madison would use. And and it was just so, so uplifting and fun. It was just, I I did have moments where people kept asking me kind of what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I got so sick of it. I would just look at them and go, now let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. <laughs> Tell me what's going on with you. You should have just given a summary at the beginning. I should have. Been like, this is where, or you should have just said, listen to the podcast if you want to know where I'm at. Right. With my breast cancer. Or Caring Bridge. Go on there and read that. But we're not talking about that tonight. Yeah. So. I loved the board that Julie Deffer made for you. Yeah. So it, it was, so that was the other thing I learned. For the first time ever, I just relinquished control and let two people um, plan it. So Julie Duffer planned it, and then she got Charlotte Sweeney, who podcast guest, yes. fabulous equal pay lady. Uh-huh. Um, the two of them kind of got everything together. So stepping back and just trusting there was enough food, and for a Southern woman, that is really hard. <laughs> um, but I was so not stressed. That's so awesome. So it was really awesome. And That's so, so cute that Charlotte was so involved. Oh, she was so sweet. And she had to leave early. With this podcast, we're just making friends. We are. And I had so many of the guests actually reach out and, you know, ask me what was going on and how things are going. It's been really nice. Oh, that's awesome. But, but they made a racket, rack them up, and it's on a wood board, and they use bras from A cup all the way to Jamungus cup size i think it was maybe a double f what i yeah. didn't even know whether a double f existed. i know that was the bottom it's the easiest to get the ping pong right, balls in right. and they tacked them up on a board and gave everything points that's so funny and then we had eight different stars with their cleavage from their neck to their um right under their chest like celebrities yeah oh, okay. and so like um uh, Katy Perry and Dolly Parton, people who were known for their great cleavage. Okay. <laughs> and so you had to figure out, connect the name to the picture. <laughs> oh my Excuse God. Me. Connect the person to yes. the boobs. Yes. That's so funny. It was funny. And then what we, a fun game. Oh, what a fun so, party. It was so great. And then um, we did the best boob joke. Oh. So everybody bought their, their best boob jokes that they could find. And then, um, we gave booby prizes at 
whoever won in each of the games. Oh my god! That so we is had like so Whopper candies, you know, Whoppers, <laughs> and then we had I had a do-it-yourself boob job kit, which was all it was was two balloons, and the directions were blow up and put in your bra. Oh my god! And I mean, it was just so much fun. Yeah, that sounds great. What a yeah. celebration of oh, your it was tatas. It was, and as soon as it was over, it was like, oh no, now I got to think about the surgery. Yeah. <laughs> so. But that's a good send off, though. Yeah, it was really I'm sure a good... your left boob, right boob, left boob, right boob. I'm sure your right boob appreciated it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and Chris said, I told him today, I said, you know, a week from today, my boobie's going to be gone. And he goes, no, Wendy, your cancer tumor is going to be gone. Aw, good that, response, Chris. Said, Isn't that good? Why does Chris always know the right thing to say? He sure does. <laughs> so I'll have D and flat. It'll, it'll be interesting. Well, you know, asymmetrical is in. I love this. So lots of good things happening. I mean, you had a fabulous weekend at your, um, at Lexi's, who was on the podcast yes. at her bachelorette party yep, in that Phoenix. Was, that was awesome. So no? what's one thing you want to make sure you do when you ever get married? Oh. With hmm. your whole bachelorette weekend or trip? I think... Make sure that I invite a really good group of people Ooh. to the bachelorette party. Because yeah, they... everybody that I met that I didn't know of Lexi's friends were so nice and sweet. So we just had such a fun time. No and, drama. Yeah, no drama, no like whiners, no divas, yeah. just a bunch of fun. That is fabulous. Yeah. And that's true. I mean, we did a girl's trip for years and finally had to start voting people off the island. <laughs> It was awful, Ronnie. Because they would start drama? Just, yeah, and clicky, and it was just weird. And it was like, yeah. nope, she's gone. She gone. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta, I mean, you gotta think about who you're inviting. It nope. is tough. Only good vibes. Good yeah. vibes only. Right. At the bachelorette party. That's my new mantra for life, too. Now. <laughs> you are kind of dead to me. I told you I almost killed the Lowe's guy I called to get the new refrigerator. Yes. Because, <laughs> and I like is to the think. Is Lowe's guy dead to you? He's dead to me. And if I would have been in. With him in person, I might have physically hurt him. <laughs> when he asked me, does this refrigerator that you want to order come with an ice maker? I lost it. I said, am I the Lowe's man or are you? <laughs> yeah, what? He was asking you if it yes. has an ice maker? Yeah. Oh, boy. And so then when he called he me back. He is not getting his big girl money. He's no. Study up. When he called me back, he said, you offended me. He said that? Mm -hmm. And I said... <laughs> Well, you offended me, not knowing your job. I said, I'm trying to give you money. And you, you offended me. And, that is so funny. And I think I got to pick somebody else to give the money to. Because oh I can't God. stay in this. And it was just awful. Did so you I, get the refrigerator from I Lowe's? I finally said to him, because he and I were going back and forth, kind of verbal debate. And yes. I said, look, Gary, let's <laughs> just agree that we need to get this order put in as soon as possible and both get off this phone so we never have to talk to each other again. Because <laughs> I can tell I'm pissing you off as much as you're pissing me off. Oh, my God. I was so mad. Oh, that's and somebody's Gare Bear. I don't even care. I was so <laughs> mad. I was so mad, I tell you. I, I think it's the cancer, Wendy. I hope I'm going to kind of get my well, mojo back I'm later. sure he's going to be okay. In your defense, <laughs> he should know... If his refrigerators have an ice maker or not, right? I thought so. I said, now, how am I supposed to know that, Gary? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, 
Parker's been having like a six month long battle with our ice maker. Oh, like every other week, it's like in pieces or like oh, in no. the fridge. It's just it's been Parker versus the ice maker for well, a while now. And we went through that, and then I learned like for eighty dollars you can get a new one, and then you go, why did I struggle with this? Oh, right? Yeah. I mean, this is where money fixes problems. <laughs> Seriously, more money, Listeners, less problems. Listen to this: money can't make you happy, but it can fix some damn problems. Oh, that's an Ariana Grande lyric. Ooh, in her song. She look says, at me. "Whoever said money can't solve your problems must not have had enough money to solve them." <laughs> You're that's really right, good, Ariana. See, I would never. Sing oh, you should. You broadcast. should have seen me at a karaoke at Lexi's bachelorette party. Ooh. I sang, I'd pay for that. I sang Share, If I Could Turn Back Time. I really got into my, <gasps> my like, bra- bravado. Is that what yes. that's called? Yeah. Oh. If I could turn back time. Man, you sound good. You could be an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> I want to be a Share impersonator. Okay, sorry. That's you, my game plan. You. This podcast takes off. Yeah. We have buttloads of money. Yes. So then I can pay to be a Share impersonator. Because I don't think anybody wow. will hire me for that. <laughs> But I think if I pay them, That'll be your they'll let passion. me do it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Only just, you know, one, two nights a week in Vegas. Okay, I like it. <laughs> All right, so let's move on and let's get into the study of the sode. Okay, this is so exciting because this study is by one of our own Big Girl Money alumni. I just decided we're going to start calling them alumni. I love that. They have their own little club. They're in our Hall of Fame. Yes. And Stephanie Johnson, so... Ooh, Steffi. Yeah, if you need to get... Woo, Steffi. We just made her her nickname too. Steffi. She's really not Stephanie. I mean, she's, she's really she not is Steffi. Doctor Johnson. Yes. Anyways, so she, if you are not caught up on the podcast, had the episode. It's not rocket science. It's just leadership. So check that out if you haven't. But her and her associates came out with this study, and it's called "Has Sexual Harassment at Work Decreased Since Hashtag Me Too?" So let's dive into that. She did the study with her associates. Ksenia Keplinger, Jessica F. Kirk, and Liza Barnes. Yes. I'm so excited to hear this. So here, let's hear your, have you read the, did you read it? No. Okay. So then we can get your predictions. So there's three different types of sexual harassment they covered here. Gender harassment, unwanted sexual attention, and sexual coercion. Okay. So gender harassment's when somebody's just kind of shitting on you for being a woman. Yep. Unwanted sexual attention is like when people are staring at you or making you uncomfortable, touching you, whatever. Got it. And then sexual coercion is when, like, your boss says, if you have sex with me, I'll give you a, a promotion or, or something like that. Okay. Okay. So of those three categories, do you think that they've gone down, rates have gone down or up amongst women since Me Too? Since hashtag Me Too. I would hope they've gone down. All of them? I think at least two of them. <laughs> okay, I like the your, last two. I like your realistic approach. <laughs> the last two I would hope would go down, the blatant stuff. Right, right. Like staring at your boobies directly, you know, and <laughs> the sleep with you and sleep with me and I'll do this, yeah, right? All the just the blech, yeah. Blech, yuck. Okay. But the other one I hope, you know, I, I think that it probably didn't get any better. All right. You are right. You should be a scientist. Oh, my gosh. All right. So let me hit you with it. In 2016, before hashtag Me Too took off, these fabulous researchers surveyed 250 working women in the U.S. asking about the pervasiveness of sexual harassment in their workplaces and how it impacts them at work. 
They conducted a second survey after hashtag MeToo in September 2018 of 263 women and reconnected with some of the same women they had previously interviewed to see whether they've seen changes or have changed their own views. So, in 2016, 25% of women reported being sexually coerced, and in 2018, Whoa. that number declined to 16%. Well, that's good. So, it's down. But isn't that mind-blowing that it's still 16%? Oh, yeah. oh, that's totally. over a 1 in 10 chance. Yep, yep. But movement in the right direction. Buttheads will be buttheads. Buttheads, buttheads will be buttheads. So that's what our <laughs> listeners some from, should learn from this. Impressive intellectual study. Buttheads be buttheads. <laughs> it's like haters gonna hate, buttheads gonna be buttheads. <laughs> okay, unwanted sexual attention declined from 66% of women to 25% of women. So that's a Whoa. huge drop. Whoa. That's still one in four women are experiencing unwanted sexual attention. Wow. So not chill, but at least it's gone from 66 to 25. Right. Into that. That's huge. All right, now. Wah, wah, wah. Here's a uh -oh, yeah. They noticed an increase in reports of gender harassment, which is just not sexual in nature. Right. But this is mansplaining yes. or, you know, the more um, sexist jokes. Yeah. I think also if someone's like telling an inappropriate story about okay. women, even okay. if it's not directed at you, that would be, that would go in this category. Okay. But it's the things like you're not getting... The best accounts. Yes. Or you're be being given all the office homework. Right. Excluded from meetings. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, so how they bad noticed, was that? So it was 76% of women in 2016 to 92% oh, in 2018. Man. Yeah. So that Big. went up. Got I mean, way worse. Only eight in a hundred women aren't getting, <laughs> getting gender discriminated against yeah isn't that messed up aren't experiencing gender harassment Dang. so this data so the researchers say this data suggests that while blatant sexual harassment experiences that drive many women out of their careers might be declining workplaces may be seeing a backlash effect or an increase in hostility towards women wow but the good news is that when they examined women's feelings of self-esteem and self-doubt, they found an increase in self-esteem and a decrease in self-doubt since 2016. More important, the relationship between unwanted sexual attention and both of these outcomes, lower self-esteem, higher self-doubt, was weaker in 2018. Mm, so basically, these things are still happening, but they aren't affecting women's self-esteem or self-doubt as much as they were previously. Wow. And the researchers think that's because they, from hashtag me to women know that they're not alone. Well, that, this but is yeah, they're such a good choice, Ronnie. Thanks oh, for, thanks. Thanks for looking at this. Cause I was so excited when we saw it came out last uh -huh. week. And, um, I just love when our, especially our guests and people we love, kind of get in the news and get highlighted and, and are continuing to work this issue. Yep. Dr. Stephanie Johnson, keep kicking ass. We love her. We do. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's get into the interview. We were lucky to have Carl Olson, who was the director of the Men in the Movement, which is a women and gender advocacy center, anti-violence initiative that gathers CSU students. Colorado State University students who identify as men to engage with issues related to gender, violence, and masculinity. 
It was enabled by the interpersonal violence and safety fee. The goal of men in the movement is to prevent gender-based violence by challenging men to create masculinities that object to violence-supported cultures. We were so tickled about hearing his perspective, and it was very unique. Yes, it was. So play it. Well, Carl, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so um, tell us a little bit about the way I found you as Men in the Movement. Yes, so right. Men in the Movement is a program at Colorado State University run out of the Women and Gender Advocacy Center. Um, it is one facet of the entire men's engagement program there. So we actually have a men's programming and violence prevention coordinator. Um, and Men in the Movement itself is a free 11-week program geared towards men who want to engage in conversations about healthier masculinities and ultimately to prevent violence, particularly sexual violence against women on campus. Wow. Okay. So it's a 12-week program? 11. 11-week program. Yes. And okay. tell us just a little bit about the program. What are some of the things they do? For sure. Um, let's see. So each week covers a specific topic, um, and the new men who are coming into the program for the first time will meet two hours a week. Um, there's a lot of studies that show that um, – in order for sustainable and meaningful change to occur when it comes to healthy masculinities is to have the same group meet over and over again. Opposed oh. to like, opposed to like me going to a fraternity chapter meeting and doing a thing for an hour. Right, right. Proven ineffective. Okay. So this program's designed around that a little bit. Is we it talk- the whole idea about building that safe place? People start to open up better? Um, there's different impacts for mixed gender spaces and same gender spaces when it comes to sexual violence conversation and masculinities conversation. When it comes specifically to working on masculinities, it is much better to have an all dude space because we tend to posture <laughs> when women are around. Oh, um, okay. Yes. We tend to like try to prove something more. And there's some of that, uh, there's some of that that happens for sure in the group because it is all dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have st- structures in place that help break some of that down. Um, and some of the topics we talk about is like gender socialization. So what does it mean to be a man in society today? What does it mean to be a woman in society today? Um, and for me, and we talk explicitly about power and privilege and systems of oppression in the United States. And I think for me, the the, the core and the center of the program is two things. One, we have very explicit conversations about pornography and what men's consumption of porn, how it impacts the way we view ourselves and the way we view women. Um, And then we have a Survivor Speakers Bureau. So we have survivors of sexual violence or stalking or relationship violence come in on a panel and tell their story and we're able to ask questions about what's the best way to support them, do to heal, stuff like that, and what men's roles are. I love that panel because they often come in and say like, we don't need you. And I think, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, wow. hits, that hits men in a way of like, oh, so this is like, they think they were here to help them, but they leave the program knowing that they need to work on themselves. Right. And that it should be amongst men. Okay. So I don't know. Yeah. I believe in the program. I think it's incredible. And it's also not for everybody. Okay. Really? Yeah. What's what, what do you worst? mean by that? Yeah. What, what, what is, how does this really go bad? Um, when people force guys to go to it and they're just not receptive we absolutely never take someone who is mandated to go okay it is only an opt-in program got it okay that's good yeah and that's part of the the effectiveness is Mm -hmm. that they want to be there yeah right um and i would imagine it wouldn't couldn't work 
if the facilitator still wasn't working on themselves through the process, because you can easily reinforce problematic thought processes unintentionally if you're not constantly sort of working and checking yourself through right. the process too. So sure. the job is the least job thing that I've ever done. It's been a hugely personal journey for me through my masculinities as well. So wow. it's, yeah, it's rewarding, challenging, and right. these dudes are awesome. Oh, cool. yeah. they sound awesome. How did it get started, this Men in the Movement? So men's, the CSU's done men's engagement, from what I can tell, probably over 25 years. Wow. Um, so Men in the Movement is actually the latest iteration of men's engagement. Okay. Um, unfortunately, it was born out of a previous program called Men's Project, which was specifically a bystander intervention program for men, or geared towards men. We're not allowed to say it's only for men because it's a Title IX violation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but geared towards men. Um, and there were a bunch of survivors that came forward that said people, graduates of the men's program are using that as like status and access to our bodies. And so they had to shut the program down. Um, and Wait, what, do you, what, do, you what do you mean by that status well, and access to so their body? So you can trust me. I'm a men's project graduate type oh. of stuff. And, oh. then the, and then they, and then they assaulted women. Oh Jesus. Yeah. It was That's fucking brutal. not ideal. That's gross. It's yes. terrible. Um, and so the the women's center at the time it was called the Office of Women's Studies and Programs um, had to sort of they shut it down of course and then had to do a deeper look at why that was the case um, and identified a bunch of stuff and then rebooted the program six seven years ago okay yeah and so my predecessor led the foundations and today is the result of six years of tinkering and yeah wow. figuring stuff out and you found this job. Um, I mean, what brought you to it? What, what What's your story with why you even give a rip, um, <laughs> to <that's>... be honest? <laughs> to be blunt. Yeah. <laughs> I give a rat's ass because of a lot of things. So I was, and I, I usually start this story with my racial identity. So I identify as Japanese and white, or mixed race. Okay. And so growing up, I constantly was asked, what are you? Right? That was a question. What are you? What are you? Or where are you from? Where are you really from? Where are your parents from? Some iteration of what kind of... Like, brown are you? I need to figure you out. Yeah. And so that clued me into like, okay, so there's something going on in this world that is making people question who I am. And that primed me to, when I hit college and gained language to articulate my experiences yes. by reading Peggy McIntosh's Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack. Um, that gave me the language to see it. And then for me, it was a really quick hop step to the side and be like, okay, so if people were making me feel this way about my racial identity, I wonder what I've been making women feel because of my gender identity. Wow. And I got a lot of like, uh, it's called a feedback from patient women who were telling me to quit like being a dude, basically. <laughs> patient <laughs> women. Yeah, no, incredibly patient women. They Aww. invested in me. I am, I am the product of um, incredible women in my life who, they thought, who saw something. They gave a rip. Yeah. They gave a rip about you. They, they saw something enough to be patient with me as I worked through my jock high school mentality. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so I took a class called Students Alliance for Gender Education, SAGE. Um, that was 75% content about gender dynamics and 25% facilitation skills. Once you take the class, you go on a list of volunteer students. So when the office got requests for programs, that got blasted out to us. And I loved every second of it, got asked to do like every single one. And so when my predecessor left the position, they were like, we should probably hire this guy. Um, and I got offered the position six years, six years ago. Fabulous. Yeah, my last day was this past Friday. Oh. So. Are you, is it bittersweet? 
I don't think it's hit me yet. I, oh, okay. I'm akin to like graduation, right? Like I don't know if I fully understood what it meant to be graduated right. from college until yes. like the next thing. Yeah. So I imagine the next thing is going to trigger some like not in Wonderland anymore. Type yeah. Of right. Yeah. I'm that same way too. Things yeah. don't hit me for like three or four days. Totally. Like when I lost my job, it didn't really hit me that I was unemployed for like a week till the next Monday when I didn't go to work. Yes. I was like, oh shit, I lost <laughs> yeah. my job. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> yes. So how did you make this move to the next thing then? What what was that about? I So it would have been my 15th year at CSU. Wow. Um, I did my undergrad and my master's there. So I think it was fatigue. Um, Got it. I was honestly a little bit bored of my job I think Mm. um, because I'm not built like every semester or every year is basically the same process right orientation fall semester winter break spring semester summer and I I felt like I was having the same conversation over and over with the same type of dudes over and over wow Um, so if people ask me like have things changed I'm like not not really at least the men that come to CSU and particularly this the the white men that come to CSU um, I feel like I'm having the same conversation over and over. So, oh. and that was like discouraging, kind of, or just monotonous. Yeah, I I don't know if discourage. I think that's what something I expect, right? The forces that train men to be men are really, really strong still, particularly in the U.S. Right. So, what are those forces? Uh, I mean, I mean, literally, definitely, literally te- everything. Television, right? peers, parents, books. Um, yeah, every and and again, I'm gonna argue pornography has a huge impact on the way men see themselves and how they view women. Um, yeah, so, I call I call pornography propaganda for rape culture. I honestly think it yeah. trains wow. a wow. lot of people to think that women can like all women are available to all men all the time, um, and that pain means good sex. Wow. Uh, so so yeah. if it were up to you, you would say pornography is illegal. I'm going extreme here. Well, there's no. some, I think there's some there's some pornography that is healthy. Like there's pornography that's targeted towards women to watch that's like a much healthier version of what sex should look like. You, you know, there's like Pornhub, but then there's like Well, there's pornography looks totally different for the female audience than it does for the male audience. Right. It depends on who makes it too, right? Like Oh, totally. Um, if it's dudes trying to make stuff for women, then women are learning from <laughs> actors who are doing stuff that they think that men think that they should be doing. Yes. So the source really does matter as Ron, yeah. as you mentioned. Um and what is there are positive aspects of porn like, you know, it's a cool place for LGBTQ folks to do some exploring potentially or mm. get some ideas or try to figure it out because since the mainstream is so like heteronormative right um and cisnormative so there are some um when we talk about mainstream porn consumption though that's where it gets pretty brutal right so so what do you think the solution to the pornography problem is i don't know if i have one okay um the i think the solution is to think more about it as an industry right right? um it's like a business multi-billion dollar industry that Companies like CBS and Disney are invested in, right? right. Because the money, rev- the revenue is just so high. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so, like any other corporation that dumps waste into the oceans, that's kind of the mentality that I think we should do with pornography. Um, is where are the powers? Where are the structures that we can either infiltrate or I don't know if legislation is the best way to do it. I don't um, either. And I don't know if I don't know if 
in an ideal world where we solve all oppression, if pornography will exist, I assume it will, because then we'll have the ethical compass, the moral compass to understand what consent is and what power is and how it can be used for pleasure versus how it's used for trauma. Right. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure. Yeah. But I would, I think it's, it's important to think of it as an industry. Yeah. yeah. And probably parenting too, because I think that a lot of parents don't want to talk about sex with their kids and then they're figure they'll learn about it themselves and the yeah. way they learn about it is or they learn porn. about it by, fi- by finding a playboy underneath their dad's bed that yeah. is definitely an older generation thing right. to do. yeah that's, that's really really interesting well and there's yeah. so many things that have to happen before that agreed I've like, always, sorry. i'm sorry like teaching men to or boys to what does it look like to even respect another person much less a woman yeah well what are some of the main lessons that you hope men walk away with when they go through the 11 week men in the movement program um or how do you hope they feel differently about mm -hmm. themselves i want them to walk away knowing that what lies ahead isn't easy um in what way the personal journey toward healthier masculinities to undo all of the things that you've learned can be a pretty painful process right in that's my opinion. any change yes. and this is really tough change this is transformative change though and wow. that's that's what i hope that they see is that through the the tougher parts of re-envisioning masculinities and breaking new ground for yourself one you can do it and two you have a community of men who will help you through that and it's probably the first time that they're ever going to hear that in their lives um so men who do come here like we they they see what supportive men look like like authentically supportive men uh and it can be the first time for many of them so wow um to continue to build those types of communities no matter where they go after is also hard work because you have to suddenly convince your friends that you don't think the word fag is okay to yes. use. They're going to be like, what happened? Like what changed? Like they probably, you probably get called a fag. Um, and that can be hard work. So like if you invest your lifetime or your high school years in friendships and then you have this experience, you're like, yo, we did a lot of stupid shit and we need to change for the better because it's impacting everyone around us and overwhelmingly impacting women and transgender folks in a negative way. That's, it's easy to face rejection there mm. right yeah and i always remind my men that we are still being socialized as men like we are constantly Ooh, constantly yeah we are constantly receiving messages about what we're supposed to be like um and so building a critical another aspect i want them to walk away with like is a building lens. a critical lens for everything that you consume um is just super important That's, that can be exhausting too though oh exhausting because I, I look through at a lot of tv and movies and stuff through a feminist lens being mm-hmm. like as you know is everything okay here should i be watching this yeah sometimes you're like i just want to relax and watch exactly. the tv show yeah the real housewives do that for me <laughs> there we go <laughs> i watch i watch a lot of those silly shows i watch yeah. little women la that's my nice. like guilty pleasure reality <laughs> tv show it is kind of good to just go numb and watch that but yeah indeed so where do you want to go from here i mean what's next for you I don't know. I think I'm gonna spread my wings and see what the where the winds take me for now. Um, I'm really excited to work with high school juniors and seniors um, in Denver to prepare them for college. I put quotes around prepare um, because I'm guessing my way of preparing them is gonna be a little different than the normal. And way. remind me again, what was the name of the? It's called KIPP through College and Career. KIPP okay. stands for Knowledge is now Knowledge is Power program. I'll be their I'll be a college counselor. They call it. Nice. Yeah. So I'll be. Are you gonna teaching be teaching juniors and seniors basically? Are you gonna be incorporating some of the lessons about? positive masculinity and all that into your counseling definitely well okay. i'll be about it right right um sure. in addition to uh, like a racial analysis of our world that i think 
they need. If black and brown kids are going to go to predominantly white colleges, they need to be prepared for... What they're going to hit. Yeah. Yeah. In many, many different ways. So I do think there's some level of disservice happening to younger kids about being lied to about the real world as if we're trying to protect them. And I think most of these kids will be able to handle if packaged in the right way um, and feel empowered to make change in their lives. And I can't help but ask, most of our listeners are women in business. They have a bunch of men in their life. Any advice you'd give to help move their the men in their life to a different place um if you haven't heard of feminist fight club the book it's incredible it's like geared towards women of course um and there's like a page or two for dudes but it's literal like these are some things you can do when being gaslighted or being interrupted in meetings or in negotiating salaries they're legitimate like direct um it's written by jessica bennett direct skills in the workplace uh, Feminist Fight Club is awesome. Okay. All right. That's good. We need to add that to our reading list. It, totally. And get her, <laughs> get her on here. How about that? Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. Wouldn't it? <laughs> Let's go big. Yeah, she's cool. Um, CSU has taken the book and added supplemental reading to like help insert more of a race, like critical analysis of that. Because uh, it does lack, it's a very like white women attitude towards workplace stuff. Right, right. Um, so we've t- taken time to build up supplemental stuff to to expand that perspective that's awesome very nice well because a lot of people would have said oh we're not doing it because she was short-sighted but then again she can't help but have the knowledge of being a white woman Mm, yes right so yeah and that's part of the forgiveness of the movement i think that we need and that for for some reason it seems like it's hard i call it tumblr feminism where like there's high value in one-liners that are like really digging in there What's a one liner? A Tumblr feminist Do you know what feminism one liner? Like, I don't think so. There's like um, give me one liner. There's high value in clapbacks. Oh, like, oh, I see. Like I someone see. says something. <laughs> yeah, you clap back. That's one of your clap back. Te- what is it? Like you say when somebody puts you down, you'll like make a funny joke back in their face. That's okay. a clap back. Okay, got it. Yeah. Ooh, I'm the queen of clap back. <laughs> You're not the queen, but yeah, you the, you have some good clap backs. The problem is when you say the word clap. I think I don't. I don't know. I Another don't. generational. Yes, gap very here. generational thing. <laughs> it's called a clapback because you 20, say it like this. Yes, twenty-four fifty-five. <laughs> perfect, perfect combination yes, for something exactly. like this. You're in the middle. Yes, um, it is a good combination because I have all these perspectives. Wendy's like, I haven't even heard that term yet. Yeah. And then Wendy has a different perspective for me. So, exactly. but anyways, keep going. There's a lot of value in the clapbacks. Yeah. In but they tum- are... what do we call tum- what we're calling Tumblr feminism? Okay. Um, which isn't helpful because it's like. It might feel good to do, to be clever, to be quick, um, and to be to cut some... I don't know if cutting down is the right word, but it does feel like cutting down in response to like white men, for example, being asking questions or something like that. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Well, a good example is, why did your husband... I can't believe your husband let you come to this conference. I've had that said to me. Right, so if someone so if says I, that and if then... If I wanted I, to get him back... I'd say something like, I can't believe your wife let you. Or <laughs> something like that. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, so it'd be that along that line, but like a little meaner. Like Ooh. there's there's like more assumptions that you should know better. Calling them dumb, like you're ignorant. Some people don't know any better. I would describe time of feminism as more of an investment in your own feeling good than an investment in the community to do better. Oh. Right. 
Yeah. The motivation is to be like, I want to go home and tell myself that I did the right thing. So I'm going to stand up for what I believe in so that I can feel good about it. Right. But do it instead of thinking what's going to actually make the situation better or teach that person or benefit the people I'm trying to benefit. Well, and can I feel proud about how I talked about this and how I responded to that person? Yeah. Can I feel like instead of just punching back, I actually am uplifting the conversation but you're supposed to remove how you feel about it It, maybe a little bit right Uh, like you should be proud of yourself but that shouldn't be your main motivation for yeah i think it's understandable at this point in time that women are generally pissed off yeah um (laughs) i think so too and so (laughs) men definitely need to get our ass in gear and be pissed off as well because i think men really start to buy into um feminism if you will and like working with women to create gender equity when we see that patriarchy and the way we're taught how we're supposed to be men ultimately hurts us ultimately takes away our ability to emote and feel and love and and feel sadness at the same rates that we feel happiness um that sucks oh yeah to go through that so as a parent with a smaller younger child or children Boy and girl, what would you say to our mom listeners who are raising young boys? In general? How could you, what advice would you give them into how to help them to grow up rejecting what's all around them or getting past it or Hmm. overcoming it? I don't know the right words. Well, I'll preface this by saying I'm not a parent. Um, So... I'm sure. To, yeah. <laughs> what do you uh, wish your mama would have said to you? Advice. I thought my mom was great. Oh. I think. Uh, or, well, she probably already said these things because you are who you are. Yeah. So what were some of the things she said that made a difference, I guess? Um, I I hate that my brain is going to this, but like, let your sons cry is mm. kind of where yeah. I'm at, right? Like it's mm. let them emote, like let them, like there's a, there's a balance between experiencing emotions versus teaching resilience. Um, and having men stripped of their emotions isn't resilience. It's actually the opposite of that. Yeah, suppression. Um, yeah. So, you know, the uptick in young men committing violence, mass murders all over the place, like something like 99% of people who kill multiple people at once identify as men. Like that's the one constant throughout this entire thing that people seem to miss. They're all men <laughs> that are bombing churches. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that stems from a lack of emotionality, a lack of ability to connect not just with yourself, but with other people. And so um, unless I don't think I'm saying treat your sons like you would treat your daughters necessarily, no. because even the way we treat young girls is like gross. Has its own problems. Yeah. Yes. But it's, it's, it's like stepping in when your son is causing harm to someone else. It's not like, oh, you must like her. It's like you're being a dick. Like, yeah. maybe you should cut that out. That's not respectful. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's unacceptable behavior. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough line because you, you can teach chauvinistic, like, attitudes too, right? Like, you must always respect women. Lay your coat down. That's not a, that's not a, that's not a sustainable way of respect, I don't think. But it might cause less harm. So I'm not, like, arguing against it. It's just, yeah. it's just like... Maybe there's some other happy medium. Yeah, there has to be. It's easy to say to, to, to teach them to treat others like human beings. So, again, not a parent. So I know how hard it can be 
Yeah. Thanks for giving a taking a shot at it. <laughs> I don't know I many people. Pretty good. <laughs> I don't know many people ballsy enough to take a shot at it. So. <laughs> How do you think your life has improved since you have this new perspective on your own masculinity or your mm-hmm. masculinity? Great changed? question, Ron. I know. I'm just. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> 25 episodes and now i'm really ready to go <laughs> it does take that long i think to get good at this podcast thing. oh god it does do you have are you do you podcast yeah you it's do called, do you even lift bro men exercising social justice whoa isn't that cool yeah it's actually out of the wjc you can hear it on stitcher or spotify cool um, fabulous yeah KCH okay FN, we'll so. have you say that again at the end so that people okay. can look up <laughs> and i can subscribe yes um so i know that me going through this process is helping me be a active part of what is soon to be a marriage in three weeks um you get married in three weeks that's right that's fabulous congratulations thank you um i think through the the many failed relationships i've had i can i know i'm not like totally to blame but that's the thing i can control right but I'm pretty sure I was majority to blame for those failures. <laughs> That's a lot um, to, to take on. Yeah. And so um, me working on myself has then prepared me to like find happiness, to experience joy like I haven't before. Right. Um, I think it's Brene Brown that says like, if you numb sadness, if you numb disappointment and those what we would call negative fi- feelings, mm-hmm. then you also numb joy and happiness. Um, yeah. Your wow. range shrinks. Yeah. That all yeah. stems from the same part of your yeah. brain. So yeah. the be- ability to feel sad is like really good. So you're you're looking forward to this partner who you value and um, feel like you're going to be a very gender intelligent husband. It sounds like. Uh, yeah, I I have the ability to know when I don't know something. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I'm gender intelligent. Yeah, I'm like gender just above dumb. Gender. Ju- <laughs> I'm not gender dumb. I like that. When, gender when just he's doing, bu- that's the title of the yeah. episode. Gender just above dumb. That's hilarious. I that love is that. hilarious. Oh my gosh. How do you, I think that a lot of the times when I'm talking to like people, men that are close to me in my life that I want to improve and just have better attitudes towards women and things like that, it's so hard not to tick their defensive button Mm. like it's so hard to have a conversation without them getting defensive and also without getting heated so what's your advice on that from like the male perspective like you're saying there's a lot of people that had a lot of patience with you (laughs) yeah women (laughs) in particular right right. there weren't weren't a whole lot of men invested in my masculinity so like (laughs) that's isn't that so just ask uh, well healthy healthy right right yeah they were invested in training me to like be like them so there's there's two answers I think. One is unfortunately men do respect what other men say more than they respect what women say. Mm. It's just shitty, but it's there, right? So one potential strategy if you're feeling like you're hitting a wall is to ask one of your new friends to do some of the work and mm-hmm. tell him like, hey, and not necessarily like it was hurting you rana Mm -hmm. but more like it was hurting me like i hate it when you use the word bitch or whatever oh yeah um if there's a personal investment for him then it's it's like more effective in my opinion okay i also think men are trained to to avoid discomfort particularly with each other so like asking him to stay in that discomfort Discomfort. through that conversation Mm -hmm. i think is really important sit in it 
Yeah. Ooh. Um, so you could potentially use a dude. For you personally, I find it effective to ask questions and or play dumb. Um, so if it's a sexist joke, be like, what do you mean? Like, what part of that is funny? Um, and then once they have to explain why it's funny, they get usually get to a point of like, oh, <laughs> they, they can't do it, right? Yeah. Right. Or they avoid it. So I think asking questions, like open-ended questions from a place of ignorance, yeah. helps them make their own conclusions by talking it out loud. Mm-hmm. And that can also be much more effective because it's them convincing themselves. Again, dude to dude, but self to self. They're going to remember it versus if you call them on it. Right. They'll only remember feeling, getting their feelings hurt, basically, mm. <laughs> um, for being called out. I also think there's also fascinating research on the function of jokes in particular okay. and, and humor. Humor in jokes is to figure out who's like your in-group, right? So if mm. you can say a joke without someone checking you, then that notion continues to get reinforced in that They're group. in my group. Yeah. Oh. So you the, the function of that is to figure out who I can get away with saying sexist or racist bullshit that sucks yeah yeah so there's i forget i'll have to find it the twitter stream but someone's out there researching uh, how jokes function in social situations that is so interesting that to us i was gonna say like having backup in those situations too is super helpful right even Uh if it's two it's two voices it's not usually the first one that creates change it's usually the second person that creates change right so if like and, you know, dudes have to figure out what their intent is. If the intent is to get in your pants by standing up for you, mm-hmm. like, that's the wrong intent. That's not going to have sustainable, meaningful change. Mm-hmm. But if the intent is to, like, back you up and figure out, instead of dominating, like, amplifying your voice in ways that the dude will hear, the problematic dude will hear you mm-hmm. more, um, is what makes a good, ah, I hate to say good, but makes someone worth potentially keeping in your circle. Mm. Awesome. Interesting. Just interesting. Strategies, no, I love yes. this. Strategies, strategies. Yeah. I, I always advocate for organizing and strategizing, right? So, like, if you know you're entering into a situation and yeah. you have your partner, Parker, there, you're like, hey, Parker, I need you to back me up in here um, uh-huh. if it comes to that. Yeah. Let's right. go. Yeah. Let, let me take let's the go. lead. Well, and that's what Chris says. He always says, I got your back. I'm on your team. Yeah. I mean, so. You could take that to board meetings. Like, if you have someone in the room. Yes. That can have your back. That's why relationships are so right. important. Um, you can, before you go into a meeting or whatever, you can be like, Hey, I'm going to float this idea. I need you to make sure that they stay focused on me and my idea. Exactly. And that can be really effective. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. I was just going to ask about the workplace since that's what this podcast is all about. Mm -hmm. Is there any, is that part of the program at all? Like preparing men to enter the corporate world and how the challenges women face in the corporate world, challenges (sighs) men face in the corporate world? Hmm. It's okay if it's not. I'm it's just not. curious. I'm just trying to think, like, the humanistic process of it should prepare them to be good in the workforce. Right. But I always say, like, there's a, there's a an awesome push to get more women into STEM fields, right? Mm-hmm. I think we should also push for more men to be in, like, nursing or oh, being that, psychologists. Oh, that's totally. a great idea. Yeah, that's so powerful. Yeah, like, right. yes, more of course get more women fear. there. Yeah. Of course, get women into STEM, but we should also be encouraging men to get into taking care of other people. Or running nonprofits. Exactly. Yeah. Because right now, I, I think it's a huge number of women that are running them. Nonprofits? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, we want to thank you for taking the time to be with us. Yeah. Do you have any other questions, Wendy? 
No, I'm trying to think. I feel any other ones. I, I love this. This is <laughs> he's like I got this time. This has been really helpful. I don't have to prepare for a wedding or anything. <laughs> and that's what I love about this podcast is getting these different perspectives is so cool, mm-hmm. right? It just gets you to want to get more different people in your circle because mm-hmm. yeah. you you're missing out. Oh yeah, totally. And we always talk about just it's so cool to get the other side of it because. Somebody, I think Stephanie Johnson, who's a psychologist, was on our podcast, and she said, like, men are a product of society just the same way women are, and that was so powerful to me, and it's like, Mm. there's a lot of challenges that men face, too, that all these horrible stereotypes that are just damaging, so it's really cool to hear about it. And it's probably not, they, I wouldn't think they would feel as okay to have those. Like, Like I talked about John Kelly, the CEO um of used to be when i was there big data and then um now he's running this fabulous healthcare company to help nfl concussions as well as ptsd huh? um by looking at the data and figuring out how to use light therapy to, to it's really cool but he is so kind and nice he's like overly nice and he was told you're too nice to be a CEO you'll never make it and how that must have made him feel like I can't be myself mm-hmm. and be successful yeah I mean that's the mentality of what it takes to be a CEO right wow yeah it's just like what there's something like in the top 100 companies of CEOs there's more people named John than there are women or something like that yes yeah it's women a, CEOs yeah it's John and David <laughs> <laughs> there's two names now <laughs> yeah Great. <laughs> Good so job, funny. U.S. <laughs> and I asked the guy what he heard from that in the audience once, and he said, I'm naming my kid John or David. Oh, that's funny. I said, that's, that's not that's, funny. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you're, not hear, you're not hearing anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like, okay, now what did you actually hear? Good you joke, but what did you actually hear? You ain't in my circle. I know that. <laughs> that's so funny. But yeah. yeah, it's true. I think that women have a hard time breaking into the boys club at work, and I think that men that are more i don't want to say more feminine but kind of more feminine don't have that same like alpha male thing going mm-hmm. on they also have a hard time breaking into those groups into also. their groups yeah right. yeah so, that doesn't appeal to me at all right exactly right? like i don't want to be there right whoa um, well you're like i'm not i don't want to surround myself with people like this yeah or fight and claw my way that's why poli- like people are like you should be a politician because like policy can help create a more just world mm-hmm. like i'm not cut out for that i don't i'm not even remotely attracted to the idea of like climbing that ladder in that way yeah wow in a very particular way so maybe there's a way to do it my way and yeah. be successful but the pressure it seems like to be cutthroat or to be emotionless like that's the pinnacle of why i'm right like, that's, that's the exact opposite of why i exist on this planet yeah <laughs> right. yeah so right i'm no interest in i'm not all these like phony speeches and putting on a face and yeah everything. i'm not gonna claw my way to the top and play the politics and yeah i need to be authentic now and there's nothing about that that feels authentic to me wow do you still have challenges being authentic is it like a yes 10-year process and now i'm all good or is it no. a constant it'll be a constant because i'm changing too right so i'm constantly figuring out what my yeah. authentic is what was your most recent like oopsie where you're like oh Man, it shouldn't oh. like sometimes you know, as feminists, you'll have a moment where you're like, "That was not my best feminist self right then." No. <laughs> um, yeah, have you had one of those recently? Yeah, tons. 
Um, well, so work, being the only male identified person in a women's center will do that, right? Like you'll constantly oh. screw up. I think that's one of the other messages I want the men to walk out with is like, we're imperfect. You, I'm not asking you to be perfect. I'm actually asking you to mess up, but be kind about it and say sorry and ask for forgiveness. And if you don't get it, that's too bad. Like move on. Yeah. Um, you don't deserve forgiveness. So man, which one do you want to do? <laughs> which <here>? one? <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> you're gonna make me choose one. one of the things that i did was um so i have an office and then there's like a front desk office and um the computer wasn't working for some reason or another and two people who identify as women were there trying to make it work and without asking without prompting i got up and started like playing with the wires and looking at the connections oh. and they just stood there and looked at me and like i just did we I, ask you i immediately they didn't have to say anything i immediately realized what i did i bowed my head said sorry and walked Soaked back into my office. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it's like nonverbal mansplaining, is what it was. It That's was. nonverbal yeah, yeah. mansplaining. Well, You're like, whoops. <laughs> shit. That's funny. Damn it, Carl. <laughs> exactly. And we Get need, back in your office. We need, we need a, a face. We need that kind of face that we could give somebody where they would totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I know your face when you're mad at me. I know that face. <laughs> That's a good story. I like That's that. That's great. I do it with driving all the time. I'm like, hey, I see a shitty driver cut me off or do something stupid, and I drive by, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what this lady looks like. And then it's a, and then it's a guy, and I'm like, oh, my God, Ronnie, that was so bad. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> you're a woman. I know, but I totally – That's right. That stereotype is so ingrained in me. I, like, am digging it out well, every and, day. And my stereotype is I'll drive going – old person i know it's an old person <laughs> and i'll look over and it'll be a young person and oh. i'll go oh that was bad that was bad it's yeah. but you know at least you realize it's bad I yeah mean, like you went to fix the computer but at least you got up and said sorry that's all you can do I <laughs> yeah mean, exactly yeah i'd be impressed if a guy even did that oh i would too I'd be like, how... well here we go now we're gonna be here for an hour while this idiot doesn't even know what he's doing yes <laughs> i can't believe how low the bar is isn't it you know what I mean? Oh, you said yeah, you'd be the, impressed if a dude yeah, said sorry. Look at like, how are you fucking low me? that bar is. Yeah. yeah, that's the other thing. I don't want people to con- like continue be to low the bar. Don't yeah. Yeah. raise the bar. Ra- raise the bar. It's almost like that it used to always piss me off when a guy said or a woman said to me, "Yeah, my husband's babysitting the kids," and I no, go, "Parenting." Oh, yeah, I took your line there. Parenting, <laughs> right? Yeah, and it drove me crazy. It was like, don't. Don't say that about him. Mm-hmm. It's his responsibility, right. just like it was yours. Yeah. But you have to do that in a really safe way. I mean, it's, you're just tired of being that person, you know, yeah. walking around, dinging people. I think that's a great place to be like, what do you mean by babysitting? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just kind of asking, finding that the, the place in that sentence to ask questions yeah. about, like, what do you mean by babysitting? Oh, so you mean parenting? Yeah. <laughs> Or do you babysit when? Yeah, exactly. When, when you're there and he's gone, yeah. right? I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's my face. What? I don't get it. I just think it's neat to have this whole perspective of it's about self improvement. Yes. And then, kind of the effect of that is just that you are a better member of society and yeah. having a positive impact on people's it's lives. It's self awareness. Mm. Like I want to approach myself kind of in that way yeah because being this doing this podcast has been really interesting and it's kind of made me think about how I talk to men about stuff like this because of the way that uh my really good friend her name is Jimena and she's a Latina in, in Boston and she 
will always call me on like my white feminist bullshit all the time and it's just good friend yes. yeah she's invested in you yeah she is and it's just interesting because you know like sometimes you get defensive right away or it just makes you feel a certain kind of way and it's totally made me think about how i approach other people and it's yeah just, it's cool and i'm sure you yeah. have a similar perspective yeah kind of like you were saying at the beginning yeah i mean i always say particularly to my men like i don't i don't actually own any of the knowledge that i've gotten like i have learned everything from the stories and the tears and the writings of women and women for me women of color have really like influenced the way i think and the way i feel Uh, i don't own any of that right like I, i think one of the things that's one of the most important things for men to hear especially is that i actually don't believe like all men are bad i think a majority of men are like good men good humans good people yes but they don't step up okay I think there's too much silence amongst men. We protect each other too much. Like, wow. I talk about how us as men need to be traitors to patriarchy. We need to be accomplices with women to to create gender equity together um, because we have access to spaces that others don't, but we tend to stay silent there. So there are tons of, I believe and know there are many, many great men out there who just won't go to that extra step to say, I will defend you or wow. I will speak out for you. Yeah. And remind us again the name of the podcast. Yeah, so I host a co-host a podcast um, called "Do You Even Lift, Bro?" Men exercising social justice. Love it. I suggest searching the whole thing because you might get like weightlifting pop, like <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Like, actually, um, <laughs> yes, that's a really that. clever name, though. I like <laughs> yeah. it. Thank you. Uh, again, a product of uh, some uh, someone who identifies as a woman and I uh, working together on it. But you can find it on kcsufm.com. Um, because it's co-sponsored by the radio station at CSU. Fabulous. Um, and then I, iTunes, Spotify, and almost anywhere else you can find podcasts. Awesome. Great. Love it. Well, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. That was an awesome interview. Thank you, Carl. We loved hearing we ended up talking about some stuff we weren't even planning on talking about totally so interesting and yeah it's fun for us to talk about things outside of the workplace and get the male perspective so exactly and we look forward to what carl does in other fabulous positions working with the youth yeah carl working with the youth (laughs) go carl work with the youth tell us what you thought about the interview at big girl money podcast at gmail.com and now let's and with you're supposed to keep talking with me oh i'm sorry (laughs) our big girl spotlight we always like to end on a positive note positive note and i love this one dr jessica wade who is a postdoctoral researcher in the field of plastic electronics at imperial college london's blackett laboratory yep that's our bgs this week (laughs) okay so this gal is so awesome so let me start with some facts for you okay according to the new york times 90 percent of the content on wikipedia is written by white men in north america and of the 1.5 million biographies written in english only 17 percent are about women according to an organization called women in red that is women in red is an organization Within Wikipedia, I think. Right. It's working on closing the Wikipedia gender gap. Wow. I love this. I know. Isn't that crazy? It is. 90%. Well, and I've heard stats around this around history books and how many women are are talked about and oh, written about. And right. it's And it's similar. So it's, yeah. it's interesting that people would 
look at Wikipedia and do the same analysis. I know. You think it wouldn't be as bad because no. anybody can write something. Write something yeah. on Wikipedia. So. Yeah. Anyways, Dr. Jessica Wade was not down for this gender <laughs> gap. She's a British physicist who has made it her personal mission to close the Wikipedia gap. She's added nearly 700 biographies in two years to Wikipedia for important female and minority scientists. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. She so she made a goal to do one a day on the work day, the weekdays, I think. Yeah. And she was quoted saying, I was gonna do one a day, but sometimes I get really excited and I end up doing two or three. <laughs> like that's a bad thing. Yeah, but I just love how there's this huge problem and she's just doing chipping what away. she can, chipping away. Because it's taking one matters point in her own hand. Five million. So adding seven hundred. Right. Adds a little chipping away at the yeah at the problem. But she does it, and then the New York Times covers it, and then we cover it because we're just as big as the New York Times. <laughs> I was gonna say that sounded so stupid. It did sound crazy and a little bit. <laughs> and other people cover it, and then maybe other people start writing. That's them. right. So exactly. I just love the ripple effect she's gonna have. I totally agree. So when asked what she was hoping to achieve, she said. I guess it's to make science a better place for everyone working in it, which happens when we recognize the contributions of these awesome women. Then the girls who do come, because they will, will come to a much more empowering environment. Ooh, way so, to go, Dr. Wade. I know. I just love her her attitude and taking matters into her own hands. And one woman can make a difference. Yeah. Right? Yes. One step at a time. One step at a time. And I think you and I should write a bibliography page. Or a Wikipedia bibliography. Why don't we do one on Big Girl Money? And us. Yeah, we should. Let's give us our own. We should do one for us and one for somebody else. I, yeah, I'm not saying it's the only thing. I'm saying we would do two. Okay. One of us. Okay. And one of a woman that we love. Okay. Another fabulous episode. My friend, Ronnie. Thank you, my friend, Wendy. All right. Do we have any other reminders? No reminders except keep those uh, reviews coming. Oh, yes. Because we love hearing. Keep them coming. Keep, keep, keep them coming. We keep love coming. getting email. Yep. It's building right. up. It's building up. So we we're, we need to go through those and cover some in the episode. So till next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Big Girl Money. We appreciate your support. If you want to follow us in other ways, we're on Instagram and Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook. And remember, we love getting email mm -hmm. about your questions and stories. I mean, it knowing that we can make an impact mm -hmm. is one of the reasons we love doing this so much. So email us at biggirlmoneypodcast at gmail.com. And check out our website, which is biggirlmoney.com. So if you like us, that makes all the big difference in the world. So what do they do, Ronnie, if they like us? Well, Wendy, let me tell you. If they <laughs> like us, they should leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast so that others can find us. Yeah, and please share it so that other people can find us too. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.